Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I am Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple: increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement. So join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in VC. Our guest today is Jasmine Medina. Jasmine is a principal at New View Capital, where she focuses on fintech and SaaS companies. Prior to joining NVC, she was the co-founder and COO of Bundler TV, a tech media startup in LA. She began her career at Goldman Sachs, where she worked in the investment banking group covering healthcare and financial institutions and the executive strategy group. Jasmine is passionate about diversity in VC. She is an IC member for the Cap Table Coalition, working on investment opportunities for Black, Latinx, and underrepresented founders, and an active member of Allrays. She holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a bachelor's in finance from Arizona State University. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jasmine. It's a real pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, like I was saying in the intro, you showed an early interest in investment banking, then pivoted to entrepreneurship with Bundler TV. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and what inspired the startup? Yeah. Um, so, I will say, I think I always had my eye towards investing and actually working alongside entrepreneurs. Um, when I was at Goldman in investment banking, the things that I really enjoyed. was working with CEOs and CFOs understanding the nuts and bolts of their business strategy and business models a lot of what we did was around capital structuring so how do i underwrite a business like this if they were going to raise money or around m&a you know how do you think about assets that are attractive to acquire i was also there during uh the 2009 time frame during the financial crisis so understanding how to get deals done during a time that like that time um is certainly a perspective I take to heart as we feel the pressure of the current macroeconomic climate but it was an incredible opportunity I'm so grateful for that experience but I will say one thing that I did always ask myself and wish that I knew more about was you know how did the CEO build this business up to the mature company that it is today what were the early days like how did they make decisions about product expansion over the years how do they operationally make changes to take the company from 0 to 100 million in revenue and then take it from 100 million to a billion in revenue you know i come from a family of business owners and entrepreneurs and i have the highest amount of respect for what it takes for someone to have the fortitude to manage you know a non-linear journey of company building over the years And that was something that I really wanted exposure to and something that I personally wanted to focus up on while I was at HBS um which was venture capital. So when I was in business school, uh I took many of the VC and startup classes that you have probably taken. Um I had the opportunity to meet many of the well-known protagonists, both VCs and founders that I highly respected. and i asked them if they had any advice for me on becoming a successful vc and unequivocally across the board every single one of them said to get operating experience 
in no uncertain terms did they say, listen, if you want to gain the trust of entrepreneurs as a future board member, as someone who can give guidance during extreme growth periods of a company and also the extreme transition points of the company, having that level of operating experience will be a huge advantage. And so post-business school, I looked at a variety of different roles. I had a few offers, but ultimately I decided I wanted to go as early stage as possible where I could get my hands dirty the most, where I'd have the opportunities to work with engineers one-on-one to build a product. That would, you know, something that would allow me to understand co-founder dynamics, making key hiring decisions, deciding who we wanted to partner with for funding and at a board level. And so ultimately, I ended up reconnecting with a colleague of mine that I worked with at Warner Brothers. He actually ran the accelerator program at the time. And as he was leaving, he was starting Bundler TV. So Bundler TV is a software startup that bundles TV and streaming into one consolidated bill and personalized guide with some bill optimization. So at the time, this was sort of at this big unbundling time where there were like 500 over-the-top services, cable bundles, skinny bundles, broadband packages. And we had this thesis that there would be this great unbundling from the cable companies and there'd be some sort of smart rebundling that would happen. And so just in terms of the work I did there over the years, I designed... Um, what I would say is like the poor man's version of an algorithm or the banker's version of it. Lots of VLOOKUP, nested if statements, index statements uh, that powered the recommendation engine for the bundled subscriptions. I ended up working with the engineers to upgrade that logic into code, launch one of our first products, and then uh, eventually helped us raise a successful seed round. And so I would say that I'm deeply grateful for those uh, three years that I spent there. I think being on the other side of the entrepreneurship journey actually gave me such an interesting point of view on things that are not quantifiable, right? Like I, I feel like I got that experience at Goldman, which was, you know, here's how you understand business models, but there are a lot of things that, you know, are non-quantifiable that you can't find in a pitch deck. These are things that you only find when you spend time with the CEO and the team to understand how they're planning to build the company for the next five to 10 years and how they work together to make big decisions. Um, I think that experience actually serves me incredibly well uh, in what I do today in venture. You know, Jasmine, I can't agree more. Um, having done operating role myself as a founding team member of a young startup, uh, I totally agree on how it makes you a, a sound or a slightly better investor. Um, and the two things you said, I, I completely agree with on one, you just need street cred for founders to want to work with you. One way is you be in the VC industry for decades and by default, you would have seen so many deals that people want to come and work with you. The other route, like is like we discussed, is go do it yourself. Uh, you would have seen the journey that how lonely it gets, how empathetic you need to be, um, which I think is warm enough for founders to kind of relate to and want to work with you. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just makes you empathetic towards the founder journey. Like it's extremely hard um, from the outside when as VCs, we just end up looking at, in most cases, just the size of the market or try to put numbers and tangible metrics to everything. There's so much more, especially in early stages than just those business models and numbers that 
if you've done it, uh, you just kind of have a feel for it. And, and yeah, just in my view as well, become a almost a better investor. So completely agree with you there. Um, kudos on what you built at Bundler. That sounds exciting. Um, but you did move from there to new view. Um, and like you said, you always wanted to do VC. Um, so I think that path makes a lot of sense, but curious on were there any specific themes or any trends that you were excited about that helped you move and make the transition and how is that going right now? Yeah. So I'm happy to sort of break it up into why VC, why new view, and then like the trends that we're really excited about, if that makes sense. Um, so the first one I'll, I'll just double click on for you. Um, as I mentioned, I sort of always had my eye toward VC and I can honestly say I really love the job for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, I really enjoy roles where I have a high degree of ownership and skin in the game. You know, when you're investing, you are investing in a 10 year marriage with an entrepreneur that you personally want to take a bet on. You have to have conviction enough around them as a partner, their technology, the market, and that level of ownership, I think, for me personally, allows me to perform at my best. Um, I also think that I am a student at heart and sort of a lifelong learner. To know that your job never ends because the pace of technological change is so fast is an idea that really excites me. I think the more, of course, the more you track trends over time, the more you see patterns emerge. And we talk a lot about pattern recognition um, as a way of sort of becoming really excellent within venture. But the thing is, you always have to ask yourself if this particular pattern you're looking at or the shift in this industry at this point in time. Will it be the same as the last one? You know, you can always make predictions and have a hypothesis, but you have to understand that you may also be right or wrong. And so the art of going through that thought process, the diligence process to work with partners and experts to challenge your own way of thinking, I think, again, is like something that is very exciting to me. And then I, lastly, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's an extreme pr privilege to work alongside CEOs. Uh, they have the hardest job at the end of the day. And I think being someone that they can trust on their board to help them grow the business is something that I take a lot of gratitude and responsibility in. Um, I'm happy to talk about new views sort of in 2018, I, I actually interviewed and met with a bunch of friends, a lot, a lot, many who were actually at HBS and, uh, and at a variety of different funds and ultimately was incredibly grateful to join the founding team of NewView, right as we were spinning out of a much larger institutional venture fund called uh, New Enterprise Associates. And so I think what brought me there and why I've had a wonderful time since is I think number one, having the opportunity to join a seasoned investor was super important to me. Uh, Ravi Viswanathan is our founder and managing partner. So he spent 15 years at NEA running the mid to later stage practice there, specifically focusing on enterprise SaaS and fintech infrastructure, which is what we focus majority of our time on here. And I would also say, uh, the ability to join a fund on day one as it is being created and to be someone that is expected to have a point of view around how we grow the fund over time was extremely compelling to me. So 
Um, fast forward to today, we have around like $2 billion of assets under management. We work with companies Series A all the way to pre-IPO. Um, we have a heavy focus around operational value add. So majority of our partners are actually all former operators. They're former chief finance officers, chief product officers, chief revenue officers at like small and large scale businesses. So it's been a pretty big part of our fund strategy. That's like the key differentiator for us. And I've been working here over the past uh, three to four years, working hand in hand with the partners and CEOs across the portfolio, serving on boards and working on a lot of our sourcing initiatives. And I will hit on your last question, which is specific themes and trends that we're excited about. Um, thematic investing is a big focus point for us. We it, we are a generalist fund, but it's no surprise that we focus the majority of our time where uh, Ravi and a lot of the partners network is, which is enterprise SaaS and fintech. Um, I'll walk you through maybe two themes that take up a big chunk of my time. Uh, one is around B2B payments and payments infrastructure. We have around six investments that fall into this category. So they're pretty big themes for us uh, with companies across the portfolio and Modern Treasury, Plaid, Paystand, Neum, Rapid, and Verify. Um, you guys probably already know this, but it's a massive market. It's really lagged the consumer market in terms of innovation. Um, everyone on our team, we kind of work as a team around a lot of these thematic sprints and the core insight we had was, you know, in order to deliver true, true innovation, the legacy infrastructure stack really has to be reimagined. And all of the, these companies really laid the groundwork to reimagine the data and payments infrastructure stack in a very different way. Um, I'll also say that the other area where I spend a big chunk of my time is around data infrastructure and AI applications. Um, I've written up a few thought pieces for the fund around where we think the biggest opportunities are in applied AI and um, actually developed a product evaluation framework to diligence companies here because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors <laughs> AI in general. And so it's, it's sort of a rubric around how do you think about data strategy? Do they focus on a combination of semi-structured or unstructured data? You know, how do you think about their model effectiveness? What's the level of accuracy on day one? Is it pre-trained? Does it require company data to refine it? And over what period of time? Customer validation is super important in this market environment that we're in right now. What's the time to value? Are there any cost savings associated with it? What's the ROI for the customer? And then what are the specific uh, use cases they're focused on? So it served as a pretty decent baseline for many of the deals we've looked at across conversational AI, a lot of industry-focused AI applications. Uh, so we definitely think there's a big opportunity there. And so we're excited about potentially making some net new investments in both of those categories. There have definitely been mentions of a few data infrastructures in some of the venture classes that I'm taking right yeah. now at HBS. So definitely a very interesting industry. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that um, NewView has been such a great experience so far. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. And like I said in my intro, you're very involved with diversity within VC. We've talked about the great work that Always does a few times on the show, but I would love to learn a little bit more about the Cap Table Coalition, their mission, and your involvement with them. Yeah, so the Cap Table Coalition was partially inspired by 
very good friend of mine, Alex Guerrero at Act One Ventures. He launched the diversity rider for venture capital firms. And then Richie Cerna, who actually, uh, Alex wrote the first check into his business at the seed stage at Phoenix, uh, launched this to diversify startup cap tables. And so it really was launched after Phoenix made it super public. And so during Phoenix's Series B, Richie basically came out publicly and said, we are going to allocate 10% of our last round and every future round to Black and Latinx investors. And so the end result was around 80 plus Black and Latinx investors who um, who deployed capital in, into that round and roughly around 3 million into the company. And so after the news came out, founders from all industries with companies of all sizes started to ask how they could do what Phoenix did. And that's essentially how the Cap Table Coalition was born. It was born to really help automate the process and get more and more companies to join the movement. Um, I personally joined, I mean, I, I sort of, I was not the brainchild of the diversity writer, but I, I was, you know, on the ground helping Alex whenever he first had this idea and to see how Richie really took it on and made it something that was so big amongst founders was truly inspirational. Um, I truly believe in the opportunities that this creates, not only for, you know, the diverse community that I've worked with for so many years, but for entrepreneurs as well. You know, the idea is that this creates access to a diverse talent and network for the founder. And it's an opportunity for diverse emerging managers and check writers to get access to great investment opportunities build track record and build their careers and eventually launch their own funds. And so ultimately, the organization's broader mission is to continue just increasing the number of startups, founders, check writers, emerging managers, board members from underrepresented groups. And the organization has been doing a great job so far. So on average, I think it's around two to three VC-backed deals are launched and sponsored each week. Um, so we're hopeful and confident that the downstream in impact from this will be long lasting. I think it sounds brilliant. And yeah, I mean, it takes a village to kind of keep adding on supporting when we're looking at like a massive change. We're still talking about, um, I don't know the diversity stats, but for specific gender stats, we're still looking at less than 10, 15% of women in check writing positions. Um, and it cannot just be a one way effort from say, funds end to continue pushing um, women into the pipeline and promoting, et cetera. But this sounds like a great effort from the founder community as well and kind of brilliant. Um, on the same note, uh, covering or talking a little bit about gender dynamics, curious to hear about your experience with, uh, with it in the VC space and what do you think is being done right to address that issue and what can be done to make it better? So I'll start with what I think is being done right. I think every person on this podcast has given a shout out to All Raise, and I will <laughs> I, I'm do the exact same thing because they've done a phenomenal job. And I'll talk specifically about two programs that they did exceptionally well. Um, number one, the cohort program. So they essentially matched uh, at least for female track writers. They'll, they'll match you with a peer set that's completely random. And uh, you essentially get close with one another and ask these types of questions. How do I, you know, do I have questions around sourcing? Do 
I have questions around how to manage the internal dynamics of a particular fund. Um, and allows you to really do that in a very intimate way. Um, out of my cohort program, I ended up doing a deal with one of the investors in my cohort, one of which I actually had uh, dinner with last night and who's also been on this podcast. Um, she actually led uh, one of the rounds in one of the portfolio companies of ours. Um, I'll also talk about uh, VC champions. I know someone has also mentioned this on the podcast, but it's essentially an opportunity where you apply for this program and you are matched with mentors who are oftentimes male Midas list investors. And so I think this sort of speaks to the question you asked around what's the experience I've had around gender dynamics in VC. So I don't think what I'm about to say is fairly controversial at all. I think the way in which I build relationships is probably going to be different from my male counterparts. And I think being able to have examples from many different investors who've been massively successful and how they did it, what are their personality quirks? How did they actually find what their own superpowers were, lean into that and build a great career for themselves? I think for me was tremendously helpful. I mean, some of the questions that I asked them, you know, like, What's the worst mistake you've ever made in your career and how did you recover from it? You know, how did you manage the toughest conversations you need to have with CEOs while being on their board? What's the most contentious deal that has been passed during committee? And so I think, you know, when I compare the responses that people gave me across all of the people, they're all over the place. And I think that that's what's really helpful to have that point of view is. And Al Reyes does a tremendous job um, setting up those programs. I think that what can be done better, I think, you know, I think sharing a lot of the knowledge base between the check writers and the founders, we could do a much better job of that. We talk about that a lot amongst um, amongst the groups that I'm in. And I think that there's an active effort that's being put around there. I think the good thing about it is like a lot of people care. A lot of people want to put their time into it. Um, But I think that's one particular area where we talk a lot about building communities and building trust within those communities. I think that's probably the next natural evolution is sort of putting us in rooms together and sharing all of the inside baseball and shared knowledge that I think that can really be be helpful. Um, I have been part of an always cohort and I'm going to one of the breakfasts next week so I can echo the usefulness of just having that community and then access to that community and um, I definitely echo on on when you said about more conversations between founders and investors as well. Um, So before ending this conversation, Jasmine, which has been super insightful, I just want to ask you one last question um, as to what advice you would have for um, aspiring female investors. So uh, get involved in all (laughs) race, if that wasn't clear already. Um, I'll give you like a few overarching points and then maybe a few tactical points. Um, I would say... I got this advice and I think it was very good is to do some self-reflection on your own, what your own strengths are and where you want to build your career. And I hate to sound reductive or oversimplified here, but I think finding your own superpower and leaning into that is super important, whether that's 
finance and diligence in companies or relationship building or understanding a vertical so much better than everyone else or the fact that you have an amazing operating network um, and experience. I think the the likelihood of you building your career in exactly the same way as your peers or counterparts is actually quite low. So really understanding how you can leverage your own unique experiences and bet on yourself in that way is actually a really, really great approach and really, really good advice that I had. Um, I would also say this is more generalized, but I think finding role models and mentors not just not just ones that are senior, but also in your peer network. Uh, I 100% look up to my team, my bosses. I have a tremendous amount, or they have a tremendous amount of investing and operational experience that I learn from them every day. But I will say my peer network is equally as strong. And I think to learn from from them and to be able to like have a much more safe conversation with a lot of people who are sort of not within your immediate network is, is, is actually really helpful. And then I will say, lastly, a more tactical point, people are very busy in this industry. And so what I like to do and what I have found helpful is to break up like the questions you ask and the mentorship you seek into different categories. You know, do I need perspective? on deal making and sourcing and winning deals, maybe I can go to this person for that. How do I think about becoming a good board member? Maybe I can go to someone else for that. And relationship building and developing my own unique style of that, you can go to a different set of groups with. I've, I've found that splitting them up into different groups and who can help in each different vertical has been an effective strategy. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and for all your wisdom. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.